Yeah, and like I said before, and I was hey. on last time. I was. Oh no! To yeah, no. We're gonna get into all that. Like, no, yeah, I got we, my patch we know, on the hat and everything. We know what we're getting into when we welcome <laughs> Jason Jones to the late night happy hour. Brian Kimenetsky and Andy Kimenetsky, uh, LA's own Jason Jones, who works uh, up in Sacramento, covers the Kings for the Athletic, the Kings and the NBA. But as you can tell, roots in LA. Uh, oh, there goes Andy. Andy's done with it. <laughs> You, you okay, Andy? You want you, you gonna stick around? So now he's he's getting his audio back. Anyway, Jason, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. It's been a little while. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, just uh, you know, trying to enjoy a quasi off day today, and you know the ups and downs of the Kings, and it's you know they they play well for a while. Everyone goes crazy. They're gonna make the playoffs. They have a few bad games. They want to fire and trade everyone. So you know, typical typical, typical fans. NBA fans. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah, we definitely want to get into that because I, I know, and I feel bad. You mentioned it's a rare night off and I was like, we're looking around and we get in the thick of the NBA season and you see like guys have game nights. It's hard to work. You got to write and all that kind of stuff. And so we say, Oh, the Kings aren't playing on Monday or Tuesday. Let's bug Jason and see if we can get use one of his rare oh, off nights. No, see, this is no problem though. You know, if it was during the day, that'd be different. But right mm-hmm. now, I mean, Kids are in bed. I'd be doing nothing but watching TV right now anyway. Awesome. Uh, well, cool. We appreciate it. Andy's having audio trouble. That's why he keeps dropping out. But like, right. we'll we'll definitely get into the Walton stuff because I I can't figure, like well, any King season, I can't quite figure out what exactly is happening up there. And every time I think to myself that Luke Walton is uh, surely not going to make it through the season, the Kings win like seven of eight. And then I think surely Luke Walton's going to be coach of the year and then they lose five straight. And so I can't mm-hmm. figure that out. want to get into it. But um, did you, you, did you catch some of the, uh, the end of the Phoenix game, the uh, Phoenix Nets? Yeah, game I caught a little bit of that. Yeah. I'm just like, wow. James Harden is still pretty good at basketball, you know. <laughs> you you've seen you guys just played them, so that's that's the next game actually for the Lakers. A little of the air coming out of that bubble with AD not playing, but big picture, obviously, um, what this game on Thursday represents is massive. What do you think, Andy and I have uh, have been debating the Nets since they made the Harden deal. What do you think of them? I mean, they remind me a lot of those Nash-type Phoenix teams. They can score with anybody, but they'll also let you stay in the game because they're not exactly going <laughs> to – they're not going to shut you down. So <laughs> they're going to – you know, because even last night, even late to the Kings game, they've got the second unit in, and those guys cut a 28-point lead like the 12th. And, you know, these are all backups playing. So they're going <laughs> to let you stay in the game. Right, but if they're if they're all you know to beat them, you got to be able to score. But it's almost like you look at the, even when they lost to Cleveland a couple of times, it's not even about can you score. It's like just take advantage of the fact they will let you score because most of that game last night against the Kings, they weren't exactly stopping the Kings. The Kings just stopped making shots. Yeah, there is, there is a difference. And uh, by the way, uh, happy to have you, Jason. I was having uh, some sound issues. I don't know what was going on, so I had to leave the room, come back in, readjust. All my levels, so uh, my official welcome to you as well. It, when you mention the uh, those uh, run and gun, fun and gun, seven seconds or less sons, what it, as a, as a defensive comparison, what I think is interesting about that though is if you look back at that team when it was at probably their best, the the year they went to the Western Conference Finals uh, in like 06, and they might have gone that far in 07 too. 
I actually think that those teams were better defensively in certain ways than we remember just because they had Sean Marion, they had Raja yeah. Bell, they had Kurt Thomas. Like they they had and, and we looked at defense a lot differently. Like yeah. it, you know, we we it was all just points per game. So like they had certain personnel guys. You look at these nets, the big reason that I I just don't buy them getting past a certain point is I don't even know if they have the personnel to play really or even solid defense, forget really good, just solid, even if they're dedicated, even if they all really want to do it, I don't think they have the pieces. Yeah, yeah. When I'm watching them last night, it's just like, okay, you know, Kyrie's never exactly been a lockdown guy. I think James Harden's and is a better defender than he gets credit for, mm-hmm. but his best position defensively may be guarding guarding bigs in the paint because he's strong. But you know you're playing the Lakers. He's not going to guard LeBron or AD. You know you play against Denver. He can't guard Joker. You know so <laughs> you know they're just you know. And then you get KD. KD shown he can be a part of a good defensive team like he was in Golden State. But he also had Draymond. He had Iguodala with him, and he could kind of freelance probably a little bit more than he does than he can now. And they've got you know what's left of DeAndre Jordan. As their one What's big, I didn't. That, that sounded really mean. No, I'm but, sorry. but I understand. Which he's not. DeAndre Jordan today is not the defensive stopper that he was with the. You, you meant Jason. What's left of him in the nicest, most complimentary way possible? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, this is not All Star Game, DeAndre Jordan. Correct. Four years ago, this is DeAndre's been around the league, Jordan. So I mean, I don't know. I mean. As much as I think they can score on anyone, I just don't buy them winning a championship unless they can somehow get some defensive players in there to go with those guys. So really, that's that gets to Andy's point. Is it's not so much willingness as it is personnel. How, given how good that offense can be, we saw it tonight. They outscored Phoenix in the fourth quarter, forty to twenty-four, and like that's without Kyrie, that's without KD. How good does the defense need to get? Like, where is the line on the roller coaster? You want to go and you just need to be this tall to ride the ride. They got to be, I don't, it's hard to say because they score so well. I don't know if you put a number on it. I just think they got to be able to get stops. At least maybe like a six minute stretch, you know, of of the, you know, of a a quarter. Because they're going to keep scoring more, more nights than not. It's just can they play defense for long stretches to get them, you know, you know, get past a good team like last night. Like I said, when I'm watching them last night, the Kings just stopped making shots. The mm-hmm. Kings were getting every shot they wanted. And that's not exactly an offensive juggernaut. So if you're playing a really good team, if you're playing a, you know, a Boston, if they're fully rolling, if you're playing a Philadelphia in the East, you know, I think Joel and Beetle average 40 on them. They have no answer for them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just watched Son Whiteside get twenty five and sixteen off the bench on him. But and and that actually gets to a lot of that uh, sort of skepticism that I have about the Nets. Just big picture uh, moving forward, as as far as a real contender, it's beyond the personnel too. It's difficult to figure out. Okay, what team would they just match up well on paper against defensively? Like when you look around the teams that are really good. What team is the Nets at least? All right, maybe they don't have the best guys out there defensively, but you could say, all right, they can throw bodies at a certain style of offensive player or a certain style of team. I don't know what that answer is either. Like they're not really yeah. built, they're not really built to do anything 
other than just score their asses off. That's and, true. And it's interesting because, yeah. you know, LeBron – it was funny. LeBron was asked tonight after the game um, by Dave McMenamin, and they, you know, they have a good relationship. You know, Dave's covered LeBron for years, so LeBron will give Dave a little bit of shit at times in post game. But he he was asking about this team, and and Dave phrased it something like, you know, the offensive uh, firepower that you know we've really never seen before. You know, really, I think it'd be more three isolation players we've never seen before. And LeBron said, you know, I, I, do we not remember the Durant, Steph? Warriors, you know, with Clay, mm-hmm. and, and he's right. Except that team could actually play defense. That yeah. team could be a defensive nightmare when they wanted to be. That to me is what really separates the Nets and the Warriors. Is the Nets? The Nets would have to be, I think, historic offensively in just about every single game of the playoffs to really guarantee themselves or give themselves a really good chance of advancing against really good teams. Yeah, because no matter who they play, that team's going to feel like they got a chance still. Like, they get down 15, they're going to let us back in this. You know, they get down 20, we can get back in this game. They don't – that warrior Great team could point. break your – that warrior team could break your spirit. They'd come out in the third quarter going a 25-2 to two run, and you just knew it was over. I think – I forgot who was saying it. They were saying with that warrior team, you could play perfectly and still lose by 20. Yeah, that's, but, yeah, but that, that's a great point, Jason, that I hadn't thought that I had flat never thought about in terms of just the psychology of it. Um, you know, I, I used to talk about the Spurs kind of in that way, the disheartened. They were almost the anti um, warriors. Like when they were really good, you'd be playing great. You're like, oh, we're doing good. We're within five. We're within five. We're within eight. We're within two. We, all that you fluctuate. And then like before you know it, it's like, wait a minute. Now we're down eight. And it's between eight and eleven, and and wait a minute, how'd they get up to be like thirteen? Like you just, it's like they're yeah. like they're like an anaconda. They just sort of squeeze it out, of you, as opposed to the Warriors who just suck the life out of you incredibly fast. But that the that no team would ever feel like they're out of it against the the Nets, even if you fall behind. That is a great point. Like the psychology of the playoffs, that matters. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, offensively, they can, they can, you know, I could see them putting up 140 and they could still lose because they'll give up 145. <laughs> I mean, they've done that this season. They've done that already. Right. Against <laughs> so, teams that weren't good at scoring. Yeah. You know, like I said, the Kings didn't have a great offensive night. They still put up like 115 or no, 125 or something like mm-hmm. something, some, some crazy number, 110, something like that, you know, and they were complaining how bad they played on offense. So, I mean, I just think that team is always, no matter what they do, unless, I mean, they got Andre Robertson, but I mean, I mean, there's a reason why he was out there. I hope, I actually hope he can make an impact just because he's been through so much over the last few years of his career. And like that, that guy was a really, really good defender before he started having all those injuries. So it, it would be nice to see him make a difference just because it means he he's back to health and maybe can just, finish out his career on pretty good terms but yeah i mean they, they're they're never going to it's interesting the the idea of a team that could put up 150 and not frighten you but i i think you actually hit that pretty well i mean there's yeah. something intimidating about it but like i i i for, i i love experiments like this because i mean as good as the you know steph clay kd uh threesome was I mean you can argue this one's better you know just on a pure offensive level that this group is better um, just because those guys 
I, I guess, you know, you could, are, are more versatile than clay. They can all put the ball on the floor, you know, and Durant is one of those people. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, you've he, never seen three ISO guys like this together. No. And the way that Harden's moving the ball, I just like, I think about the Lakers, like how do they guard AD? Okay. Maybe Durant steps it up and does, you know, so I'm like Durant can and has been a good defender over the course yeah. of his career. I just love when, when you have moments like this in the NBA, where the extremes are so like big, like this could be like this, this amazing thing where it's just, yeah, they just, they win the finals by winning 143 to 137, which by the way, would be wildly entertaining. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> or they could, they could lose in the second round easily. Yeah, and it, I just, it, it, I, That's what I love about it. Yeah, it's just so wild just because if they run into a team, say they run into a well-coached Miami team, that just slows, you know, isn't a juggernaut on offensive offense clearly, but they'll stick to what they do on defense just to frustrate them enough, mm-hmm. you know, and just to keep it close. And does that frustration of, oh, it's the fourth quarter. We've only got 108 instead of 120. Oh, <laughs> and, and Miami has 105. Does that mess with them enough in those close games to where you start seeing things break down? Maybe Kyrie decides, I don't want to be the shooting guard anymore. Give me the ball. And I think that team has to run with Harden being the point guard. I mean, I think maybe people forget that when James took off in Houston, it's when Dan Tony put him at the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to keep him there. But I just wonder if they get into like, – I think Miami would be the, the perfect type of I'll just frustrate you type matchup because they're going to – you know, Spo, they're going to do what they're going to do regardless, and they're not going to break from that. And if they get – you know, you if you get a Jimmy Butler on a roll and – He's just in the one one of those guys, and then maybe Bam gets rolling, and then it's a tough game. Who knows what happens? And now you got Steve Nash, who's got a coach in a pressure situation, which he's never done before. Well, like we mentioned, the uh, the next game for the Nets, or the next game for the Lakers, I should say, is the Nets, and the Lakers are pl- played their first game without uh, Anthony Davis tonight. It's going to be that way for the foreseeable future. They, after an absolutely shit show first quarter, they they managed to. Get the game together, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go about trying to deal without having a guy of Anthony Davis's caliber. I mean, the guy that really makes th- this team so, so different than I think from anyone else around the league. How well-equipped do you think they are, Jason, just to, to offset not having Davis there and, and to get through this, you know, winning a fair amount of games? I think they got enough talent to still win a good amount. I worry about them defensively. I just mm-hmm. think the games you've seen them without AD, people were complaining, you know, hey, they missed JaVale. They missed to have, I mean, the difference <laughs> without having that guy around the rim is is big. But I, I, I mean, you still got LeBron. You still, I think Schroeder, between him, Schroeder, Montre, they got enough to still win games. I wonder how they'll do against, you know, a Brooklyn depending on who they have, you know, they didn't have Kyrie tonight, but maybe they have Kyrie back. How do they do against the Utah teams like that? Not having, yeah, having AD. AD is the one thing no one else in the league has. And that's what makes the Lakers special when they're healthy, because no matter what you do, you have no, no one has anyone like AD. Yeah. I mean, at his, at his best, AD is both unique and he's unguardable. And, and the way that he can affect a, a game on both sides of the ball, like that versatility and just all the optionality that he offers, it's it's maybe, you know, saying it's like two LeBrons would be an overstatement, 
but it's among the closest ways you can have to having two LeBrons on the floor, just in terms of all the different things that you can do. And you can't, and, and you can't defend him because you also have the other LeBron. Like yeah, you, yeah. nobody has, no team has, you might have a guy who can guard LeBron. You might have a guard, guy who can guard AD. Nobody has a guy who can guard LeBron and then another guy who can guard AD. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what makes, I wonder how they're going to fi- you know, figure this out. I know I had tweeted a couple of weeks ago. It's been amazing. Watch Kyle Kuz, how Kuz remade himself into this do everything type guy. Maybe he starts scoring more again, you know, Maybe and maybe long term, this ends up being good if they can find some different things they can do. I don't yeah. think it's a thing. I mean, the main thing is you need AD for the playoffs, and you know what? They had what seventy-one days of rest. He's probably earned. He needs, you know, some time off. There's no need to rush this thing back with him at all. Oh, we, we were saying on the uh, Atlanta Lakers. Yeah, uh, we were saying on the Atlanta Lakers podcast. My like my hope is that this is actually just big one big con by AD. Like this is just an elaborate scheme to get some rest, to get out of the all-star game. Like, you know, he's just, he's been playing up this whole Achilles thing just because he recognizes like, man, I don't need this. Like I I had such a quick turnaround. I need to find a legitimate way to get out of this game. And I mean, frankly, I'm hoping that LeBron like halfway between now and the all-star game, all of a sudden develops like a elbow problem. You know, sore like that. A sore back is a good thing. They really, you know, a sore oh, back. That's yeah. good. Sore back, sore knee. You know, yeah. being sore is always a good way to back get around. Spasms. Back spasms yeah. are another really You remember back yeah. in the day, like when they had the injured list, and you have to like come up with a thing to give someone back soreness was always a favorite. Yeah, um, you know, stiffness, back stiffness was also <laughs> something that you saw there periodically. A lot of stiffness going on. But like, how much do the what? How much do these games matter? Because I asked Frank Vogel this question. You know, when when a when, you know there are all kinds of things that could happen. They they run different sets and they'll do this and they'll do that defensively and whatever. All of it goes out the window again once Davis returns because it's not like let's say you know Marcus All took seven shots tonight. Like that's ties a season high it's not like he's gonna like if if he if that gets up to eight nine ten a game or you know kuzma settles into something or whoever it is it's not like it's not going to snap back and and ad is going to take a back seat on either side of the floor so what what can a team whether it's the lakers or whoever when you're missing somebody so important what can you gain from the this time that can stick with you once that other guy is back I think you just gain the confidence that you can play some time without them. Like you say, you get to the playoffs and AD fouls out or gets three early fouls. That group goes in knowing that, Hey, we played 10, 15 games like this. I know where you like, I know where Trez wants to be. I know where Wes Matthews or KCP wants. I know where everything goes and we don't have to do this. I mean, what's bothered me about the Lakers last year is that when either LeBron or AD wasn't on the court, it was like, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, you know, they're looking for someone to do something. So maybe you get some more reps at that. But like, you're right. When AD comes back, they're not going to say, you know what? Trez has been rolling. AD, I'm going to need you to stop shooting so much because we need to get, <laughs> we're going to, you know, you know, we're going to run some more stuff and, you know, put you in the background. But I do think that this time can be really beneficial for them just on that. Cause I mean, you normally wouldn't do this during the season anyway. And I think no matter how they finish in the standings, Nobody's going to want to play them, and this is a this is going to be a different type of season. It's not like 
your traditional home court advantage. So I just think they just got to get help, be healthy, and get to the no, get to the playoffs. Well, I mean, th- this could be a real potential opportunity for for Dennis Schroeder in terms of really solidifying what he means for this team, both. I think in what he can offer, but just like the value of having him around, because I I think he's been good so far this season. But he he's certainly I, good tonight. He was very he was very very good tonight. That's one of the reasons I bring this up. Like so far, I don't think he's so much been an impact player as much as he's demonstrated just he's nice to have around and like there's utility to having him. But you know these next few weeks could be really important with him also because. Today began the first day where the the Lakers and Team Schroeder can start talking about a long term extension, like for for the maximum dollars allowed. Like for, from what you've seen of Schroeder, is is he somebody that you think you would uh, that you would commit to long term for uh, for the Lakers? I mean, for what's likely going to be a pretty big salary. I don't. It depends on what the salary is, but I think you commit to him for a couple of reasons. One, I like having another ball handler with LeBron. I think that's why Rondo was so good with him. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've I've even talked to Luke and other guys around the league about this. There's this idea that LeBron has to have the ball all the time, but where LeBron really excels is in those moments where he doesn't have to have the ball all the time, and then when he gets it, he can just attack. Right. And you got to have a guy who's confident enough to not defer all the time. When I watch Dennis play with LeBron, he doesn't always. You know, he'll get the ball. Sometimes he'll give it to LeBron. Sometimes he won't. You know, and it's and you can just tell that he knows. Okay, it's time for me to initiate and you know let LeBron go off to the wing, and then I I get it back to him later. So I I definitely like that idea of having a guy like that. I think he's shown he can you know he can help defensively. He's crafty. He can get downhill, and the Lakers don't really have a history of having point guards who can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that you know you know once you get past. Are, are, are you saying saying that Derek Fisher was not a downhill player? Nah, not really, nah. <laughs> He's among the most downhill they've had in like the last 25 years. I mean, it's right, really Van, you know. Van Exel was probably the last of those guys. I mean, I, I'm not a historian yeah. on this stuff. I miss guys. Yeah, I think I it, forget, it, probably, but... it definitely wasn't Smush Parker. I mean, I think know. it's what they – Smush, Smush Parker went downhill, but yeah. he didn't go downhill, Hi-oh. if that makes sense. Because yeah. <laughs> think about – remember a few years ago when they traded for Ramon Sessions and it was like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. A, they can run a pick and roll. It was like oh. – I remember so, that yeah. Sessions was going to revolutionize what they did in L.A. I totally remember that. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, so uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, you know, age wise, I, I like the fit. I mean, to get him for a first round pick and Danny Green, I thought was a great move by Rob. So I think you definitely keep him around, especially as long as, you know, you know, he's got good chemistry with LeBron and A.D. And you get, plug him in and let him just kind of grow and do what he does. I mean, it's not like he's been in the league forever, but he's not that old. <laughs> no. yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, we'll get into this later because uh, he was part of the Draymond Green uh, rant and just part of the larger discussion. But I was listening to uh, the group chat on The Ringer, their, one of their basketball podcasts, and I did not realize Andre Drummond is only 27. <laughs> that seems insane to me. <laughs> like, it feels like he should be like 31 or something. Yeah. Both that, that has is, been around for correct. a while. Yeah. But also, too, is, Andre Drummond sounds like an old guy name. Yeah. But that, that is, he's, he's 27. That's what they said. I mean, let me, let me look <laughs> I this mean, up. It, you know, it doesn't seem, you know, I mean, I think Harrison Barnes is like 27 or 28. And it's like, okay. Not, 
Not a, are you kidding? Harrison Barnes played with Tim Hardaway, like the the, 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 <laughs> the old one. Yeah, so and yeah, that guy's been around yeah. forever. Yeah, so it's it's crazy to think that Drummond's twenty seven. Yes, I just looked it up. He's twenty seven. He turned oh, twenty seven, I think, in August. He's got another good contract left in him, at least at least one more. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. Like it's it's always a trip when you hear some of these guys' ages because you forget how young they start and just. You you lose this like it it always just seems like they've been around longer than they have, but then you're like no that is like nine years in the league they just start yeah. so young and some of these guys you know just they like just turn eighteen when they first get in there like Brandon Ingram was like that like Ingram was really young when he came into the league like Taylor Horton Tucker is really he's younger really he's young. still younger than like half more than half the guys who got drafted this year yeah by a lot. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just you know. Then you realize these guys were born like in two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, who said they were talking about tonight was two. Uh, who they played in Minnesota was Anthony Edwards. Was two years old when LeBron made his debut in the league. Two, two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. He was two. Yeah, there's okay. no way that like a ten year old Anthony Edwards is thinking I'm gonna play against LeBron. Watch. <laughs> oh no! Absolutely not. No, but we we always say Bronny is going to retire before LeBron. Like they're they're oh. they're going to they're going to spend like seven years together on the Lakers, and then you know eventually Bronny's going to have his retirement ceremony, and, and LeBron is going to attend it, and then he's going to go play his own game. Right, Bron he's going to play with Bronny the third. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Sector Cruz just asked, how old is Tristan Thompson? Aren't they in the same draft class? I don't know that off the top of my head. Tristan Thompson will be thirty next month. Now, another guy think, that seems like he's been around forever. Yeah, I don't think Tristan and Drummond were in the same class because I think I'm trying to remember that 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 draft was a draft that had Harrison in it, it had Damian Lillard in it. Maybe Tristan was in that one. Did Tristan, how much college did he play though? He was at Texas, right? Yeah, he was at Texas. Was it a year? I I I, I don't know. It's yeah. I'm bad at I'm yeah, bad. It, I'm it really all bad seems like game. it was so long ago now because wasn't it Tristan and Dion Waiters together or? Tristan played, he was the fourth player. He played, no, 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 no. I was going to say he played 643 games in college. That is not, <laughs> I am looking up the wrong thing in uh, uh, Tristan. Hey, now, Dion, you guys, you guys talk. I'll, I'll, Tristan Thompson was in the Kyrie Irving draft class. They were both top five picks for the Cavaliers. That's what it was. Okay. He played yeah, one Dion year in Texas. Was, That's very yeah, good. Dion was after that. Yeah, uh, they were in the same draft class as Kemba Walker, um, Clay Thompson, the Morai, Kawhi Leonard, Vucevic. That's a good draft. Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer Fredette, uh, Tobias Harris. Uh, there's actually a fair amount of talent. This is like uh, the, the, the ghost of King's draft past. All those guys <laughs> that went after the guys they picked. Jason, aren't they all the ghost, <laughs> the ghosts of King's draft? I mean, past? I think the Warriors and Portland are two teams that say, thank God we drafted after the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> because the Portland got Dame and CJ after the Kings picked. The Warriors got Steph and Clay and Harrison after the Kings picked. So I guess if you, you know, you want to get a good pick, see where the Kings are and go, you know what? 
Okay, whoever they don't take, that's the guy we're probably going to like anyway. That that probably solidifies it for you. For like, if you're having any doubt, you're like, God, he seems like he he could be great, but there, there's got to be something wrong with him. You see, the Kings don't take him. You're like, Nope, there's nothing wrong with him. And then vice versa, like you probably feel like, Ah, oh, God, I really wanted that guy, but I feel better now because the Kings wanted him too. So clearly, they're flawed in some way. Although it's it seems like it's you know, De'Aaron Fox is good. I yeah, think we can all agree he's a good player. Halliburton looks fantastic. Yes, he does. Yeah. So is it possible that they're turning that at least that part of it around? Possible. I mean, they're going to have them. They're going to I mean, I'm so skeptical with it when it comes to them, but they're, they're going to have the Marvin Bagley thing over their head, which is not really Marvin's fault. You know, no. he wasn't. it's not his fault, but people are going to they every time. Like I think Marvin missed a couple of games with a sore calf and the whole, oh, here we go again. He's hurt. I'm like, he has a sore calf. It's OK. You know, he's going to play again. But. They're just like the fan base is just so conditioned to believe, okay, here comes the worst. But I mean, yeah, they hit on De'Aaron. It looks bad. The only reason that draft looks bad is because they had the 10th pick. They could have taken Bam out of bio. They could have taken Donovan Mitchell. They trade down for Justin Jackson and Harry Giles. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, you know, and no. so neither guy, you know, so I mean, there's, there's, there's always going to be the good with them. But then it's like, okay, it was good, but. You know, and then right. and a lot of and a lot of their mistakes were honestly just miscalculations over people's feelings. Like even with the whole Luca thing, the whole idea that De'Aaron wouldn't want to play with another point guard. He loves playing with Tyrese Halliburton. Right. <laughs> it was like, no, you should have go hit and you know. So just the Kings could have took Andre Drummond maybe, back in the day. Maybe they should have asked. It's like the sign and trade with Bogdanovich. Like, did anybody actually ask him if he wanted to go to uh, <laughs> to Indiana or whatever that was? Milwaukee, like, or Milwaukee, Milwaukee yeah, right? Like, did, did, did nobody ask De'Aaron? Like, hey, would you want to play with another point guard? I mean, Kyrie looks perfectly happy to let Harden handle the ball, and all Kyrie just gets the ball and lays it in the basket or shoots a wide open three. It's great. Yeah, I remember I talked to De'Aaron about that a couple of years ago. He's like, I like being off the ball. So whenever they had another point guard on the team, he's like, cool, I can, you know. <laughs> so this whole I mean, how De'Aaron do you guard, Tyrese how, thing has yeah. worked out perfectly for him. How do you guard De'Aaron Fox away from the ball? It's impossible. Yeah, you, just, you, know, you, you hope maybe he gets tired. He doesn't really get tired. I mean, when he wants to you know, go by you, he can at any point. I mean, I haven't seen anyone who can stay in front of him. I mean, he, when they played the Clippers with a couple of weeks ago, he just had Kawhi on skates. I mean, I know he's he's a smaller guy, but that's still Kawhi. It's still a six seven guy with that big wingspan. And De'Aaron's like, bye. Yeah, ironically, yeah. he's having an incredible season, and he's made it very clear. Please don't select me for the All Star game. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's he's. I mean, I don't think he's going to make it just because the competition's too stiff and his team isn't good enough. But he's having a legitimate all-star well, caliber season. Until and, 14 guys pull your LeBron, oh, my arm plan. And, yeah. I got, you know, I, don't this show is going to be the most family-friendly all-star weekend ever. I, you know, <laughs> everyone's in the hotel. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I could see a bunch of guys having a sore knee or a sore back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've, always, I've always had a working theory because, I mean, I know these guys sometimes have fun during that weekend. And, you know, the weekend itself can be fun. The game can be up or down. But, you know, there are a lot of these guys that you can tell relish the five days off where they can take like a quick jaunt to Cancun or wherever. I've always felt like the guys who earn their way into the All-Star game should be the only ones who don't have to go. Like everybody else should have to work for five days. But the guys who are good enough to actually make the All-Star game, they're the ones who should get the vacation. Like – 
that should be the incentive for playing so well throughout the regular season is you don't actually have to do anything over those five days. Like you truly get to relax. Yeah, I remember Demarcus's first one. He was like, "Man, they got me doing so much shit this weekend." <laughs> <laughs> like he wanted to be an all star so bad. He was like, "God, like he's." I'm like, "What are you doing next? I got to go here, here, and here." Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a lot going on. I'm glad they give him the extra days off because before, remember, they'd have all that have to be back for a game like on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I remember before that, like, thing one of Dirk's last All Star games, he was a last minute replacement. And Dirk was like, I was on my way to vacation when they called me. <laughs> yeah, and it's at least at least like in a normal year, you get the payoff of like there's some fun shit that goes on, and you know, it's you know, the, the parties and clubs, like you know, at least there are some, and most of the guys are used to it, they could live without it or whatever, yeah. but there's some fun attached to it. Like this year, it literally you're sending people like I want to say that prison is a little strong, but like you know, you understand what I'm getting at. Like the, yeah, you're sending this them is to not the dorm room. Be fun. They're it's in the not dorm. Be fun. They're yeah. in the dorms in Atlanta. They, you know, outside of going to the arena, you can't do anything else. Like I said, this is a very family-friendly mm-hmm. all-star game. I mean, this is this is the one you definitely bring the wife and the or the or the real girlfriend. You know, this is not going to be the party. <laughs> the real this is not going to be the side chick. You know, <laughs> well, this all-star is how week. every all-star game is. I don't know what you're talking about. They've all been like this, honey. <laughs> Um, so, but like so, every time, every time I, I, we talked about this right at the top, like every uh, every time I, I I I look at the Kings, I'm like, oh, they're off to a good start. Luke's gonna be at least maybe this is the year Luke kind of breaks through. Then they lose like 13 in a row. I'm like, well, Luke's not gonna make it through the season. And then they win like eight of nine. I'm like, Luke's coach of the year again, and now they're losing again. Uh, how how likely is it? Do you think that Walton is the coach? We'll say next year. Next year, hmm, see, last week I'd have been like, it's a good chance. This week <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. But I mean, I think the one thing you can, the, the, at least this recent stretch, De'Aaron missed a game, Bagley missed two, and this is not a very deep team. I mean, Luke, they started playing better when Luke basically sent them a play six, seven guys. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they, they play their starters and they play Halliburton. And then you mix in a little Corey Joseph here and there, a little Hassan Whiteside. That's pretty much their team. And when you got to get past that, it gets ugly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you don't you know, necessarily want to yeah. mix Hassan Whiteside in all the time. Like he's George yeah, Sedano, you know, like Sedano, you know, who I'm, I, I, you know, you know, like he likes to point out, like you, you mentioned that the game he had out of the night, it was like 26, 15 and five Whiteside. Yeah. They lost by like 15. Sedano yeah. would say that is a Hassan Whiteside game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's had some games like that this year. Then there's a couple of games you're going, oh, this is, this is you know, bad Hassan. You got to get him out the game real quick. You know, <laughs> because, you know, I think, you know, whether it's, you know, he's a little sore. He did have a hip thing and a leg thing earlier. And, like, he, like he's not moving well. And then Hassan is going to do a couple of Hassan things. Like, he's going to take a, you know, a long jumper. I think he took, like, a step back three one time. <laughs> like he checked his feet and shot the three, and I'm like, I mean, look. In fairness, we're seeing Javale do that. We're seeing Dwight Howard do that. Like at some point, Hassan's just gonna feel left out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at him. I'm like, you know what? Hey, you're here on a one year vet minimum deal. Get your shots up. You know why I mean, not? I'm old <laughs> enough to remember when Andrew Bynum famously decided that he was gonna expand his game. <laughs> oh, I remember that too. Yeah, see, Andrew was just ahead of his time. Andrew knew where the game was going. Yes. He's like, I'm not going to start shooting these now. 
<laughs> he was a visionary. That is one of my favorite quotes of all time. I some of my favorite my 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 favorite Lamar Odom quotes were the ones where he always referred to himself as a sportsman, or and my favorite or handsome. And my favorite Andrew Bynum one was that one where I was expanding my game. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we miss him. Yeah, I haven't had anything like that with these guys yet. But I mean, like I said, they were like a seven you know seven eight man team, and you know you see this every year with teams like them. They've got to get maximum best effort every night to stay in games. And if, you know, they get a little slippage here or there, it's, you know, they're not the same team. I think De'Aaron had 19 and eight against the, against the Nets. And that was like a bad game for him now. Yeah. It's like, we need you like 25 and 11, you know, to, to, you know, and Tyrese didn't have a big game either. And they really need everyone to play well. So I think Luke's future a lot of times is going to be dependent on whether or not Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox play well. Maybe Buddy Hill starts making more shots again. You know, they're, they're, right. they just don't they don't have a lot of room for error. How, what, how but how how good a coach do you think he is? Because I know when he started in L.A., obviously there's a lot of hype around him. I, I I was very supportive of him initially, and then by the end you're like, I'm not sure because like it was it was so discombobulated anyway that it's not like he had great teams to work with here. Um, and in Sacramento, you could make a similar argument at the very least. So, how good a coach do you think he is? The, that's the thing. I'm 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 like I'm with you. you know, he is, he doesn't have a lot to work with, but when I talk to the players about him, they all vouch for him. They all will tell you, you know. Even, you know, when, when you've got Buddy Hill coming out unsolicited and saying, oh, Luke's doing a good job, it speaks to one of the reasons why Vlade wanted him in. Those guys, they liked Dave Yeager as a coach. They hated him as a person. They just didn't like being around him personally. And Luke is, you know, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Luke. <laughs> yeah. So they needed that change up in that locker room. And kind of his style is, you know, I tell him, I said, sometimes you hear Lou talk, you, if you didn't know any better, you swear Phil was in his ear talking to him <laughs> and telling him what to say. But, you know, I know I last year when they were struggling, I asked Fox about it. Fox was like, no, trust me, he's he he is on our asses in practice. Don't let this guy in the, in, in the, in the press conference who just kind of says, you know, hey, you know, I'll go look at the tape for you. Like, yeah, he's on us. And I think this year what's helped, you know, you get you get Alvin Gentry in there, a guy he knows. And. I think you can definitely see the improvement in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you, can see, you know, I think the fact that he decided to go to the shorter rotation shows that kind of his growth as a coach to say, you know what, we don't have time to play around with this 10, you know, here's my best chance at winning. And I thought the year before there was a little too, there was a little more of a, well, Vlade would like this. So we're going to kind of go this way. It's like, no, he's got nothing to lose this year. I mean, you got right. a new GM. No one expects anything of him. So the, the hell with it, Luke. Do what you want to do. If you want to play eight guys all year, play eight guys because at the end of the day, it's going to be your record. Yeah, it's funny. Oh. That it's a little bit of that, – that reminds me a little bit of how – like I think how Vogel kind of approached last year. Um, it's like, you know, Jason Kidd's standing there. The perception is that he's already, you know, got the knives out yeah. and, and all this stuff. And, you know, in the second game of the season, he put Anthony Davis – yeah, you started him at center in, in, against the Jazz in the second half of, of that game, and you know, in hindsight, it doesn't seem like that big a deal to move AD to center. But we spent all preseason talking about how AD doesn't want to play center. AD doesn't want to play center. Second game of the year, he's like, "Go play center, so we can go win this game," and it worked. They blew the the doors off the Jazz in the second half of, of a game that they played very poorly in the first half, and it was a little bit of a stamp of like, "I'm gonna." 
if I'm going to get fired and replaced by Jason Kidd halfway through the season, like everyone expects, <laughs> I might as well do it my way. Um, yeah. So you, you're seeing that, like, I, I, I mean, I, I hope I like Luke on a personal level, like you say, everyone does. Um, but to get, I was going to ask this question: Are your are the players in Sacramento the kinds of guys that it matters if they vouch for you? Matters if LeBron vouches for you or AD or some of those guys. Does it matter if Buddy Heald vouches for you? See, I don't know how Monty McNair thinks because it, it did with Vlade. It did matter. He was very big about, well, how do you guys feel about this? I don't know. I really don't have a good read on Monty at this point and what, you know, what he thinks, you know. But I do think, like you said, Luke is kind of like whatever. I'm not going to be like, Luke is like, I'm not playing Marvin Bagley in the fourth quarter if it's going to cost us points in a tight game. And it doesn't matter if his dad goes on Twitter and talks about me, retweets tweets of people calling me an asshole and all this other stuff that, is, you know, he's like, look, I got to win games. I don't have time to worry about that stuff. And, I, you know, so, yeah, you want to develop guys and all that. But I think it matters that De'Aaron likes him. I think that that matters because I think on this team, uh, I tell people when it comes to this roster, you know, the GM likes De'Aaron because he gave him the extension. You know, he likes Tyrese because he drafted him. Outside of that, <laughs> so look, you know, you know it, it could go, it could go either way. You know, we don't know what Monty's thinking with the rest of these guys. Well, I mean, to to your point, and this is obviously you know a no brainer, but Frank Vogel identified very quickly my relationship with LeBron and AD is going to be incredibly important. You know, not just for not just for my long term future with this organization, but my short term immediate impact. Like I need those guys buying in immediately in order to get right. the most out of this season with all these different new pieces. And, you know, I, I think he benefited from the fact that, you know, LeBron liked him naturally anyway, but I think LeBron was also in a place where, you know, Luke Walton was fired and there was at least a perception that if LeBron didn't get him fired, he certainly didn't stand in the way of him getting fired either. And you know, he certainly didn't go upstairs and say, "Hey, don't do this." Exactly, exactly. So you know, and at that point, you know, LeBron's first season with the organization, they missed the playoffs. He seemed very disconnected with the team. He hadn't really developed a real relationship with the fans. So I, I think it was in LeBron's best interest for him to have a good relationship with Frank Vogel as well. But I do think also that Vogel identified the best ways to establish that relationship with those two and. It may seem obvious at times, you know, get along well with your star players, but it's not always easy to figure out the best ways to do it because otherwise no coach would ever clash with their stars. Right. And I think if you look at the dynamic with Luke and De'Aaron, like the first year when Luke gets there, he doesn't see a lot of guys fairly in Sacramento working out. He doesn't get on the phone and say, get out here. I need to see you out here. You know, like he said, he knows De'Aaron was working out last year, but he never saw De'Aaron. This past, no, past summer after the season, De'Aaron's in the facility all the time. He just, he right. kind of has the idea that, you know what, I'm going to stay in touch with you. We're going to communicate, but I'm not going to be overbearing. And that worked for De'Aaron. And even with the whole Buddy thing where Buddy wouldn't take his calls most of the offseason, Luke's attitude was like, you know what, Buddy's still going to come here and play hard. So I'm going to let him have his little space to vent and be angry and, you know, feel like his feelings got hurt because he got benched. But I think the fact that Luke benched Buddy when he did last season, it, it really turned their season around. And the fact, you know, and I think, you know, probably your best players, if you were in that locker room, 
you didn't have a bunch of guys coming out behind the scenes saying, you know, we got to get Buddy back in the starting lineup. I mean, those guys saw the issues, that something had to change. And I think in some ways Buddy came back a better player for it. I mean, he's not shooting the ball well, but now you at least get him saying that, hey, I realize I just can't be a turnstile on defense, whereas a year ago he would say nobody plays defense anyway, so why does it matter? So I just think the fact I think the fact that he's connected with De'Aaron so well is going to help him. I just don't know what you know where Monty is big picture. Um, you like everyone have seen the uh, Draymond stuff, and I'm going to share our screen yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is this this sparks one of the more fascinating debates um, that we've seen in in conversations that you can see in um in a while because so much of what Draymond talked about and we'll play a little bit of it is absolutely I think 100% true and at least in my mind some of it kind of misses the pointers a little bit you know some straw men in there but it was it was fascinating to see a player so explicitly go off uh on some of the double standards so we'll play a little bit of this here um to watch to hear. Andre Drummond before the game uh sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise <laughs> or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game, and we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. So, like, just with that stuff, and that's sort of the thrust of it he's talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. Andre Drummond essentially being sent home and kind of the double standard that's there. A player says, I want to go play somewhere else. Um... They, they can get vilified for that, but a team can basically say, yes, we're not going to play that guy. Like, we're going to trade you. Like, we can talk about this openly, and you just have to sort of suck it up and take it. What do you think he got right uh, in this discussion? What do you think maybe where he might have missed, missed the boat? I think where he – I'll start where he missed it. The part of the stuff with Harden where he got so much heat was – it wasn't that he wanted to get traded. It was that camp is starting. He's at he's at Vegas, and he's in Atlanta. And he's just basically partying during camp, you know, in a pandemic. In, yeah. And, yeah. And he comes back and says, well, where were you? Oh, I was training. You know, James did, you know, James. I mean, technically, did, that might have been true. Yeah. Just not yeah, for basketball. Know, so, and I think James did some <laughs> well, of that. Got to work out. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. He definitely, you know, you know, throwing, you know. <laughs> his wrist, his lap. You know, yeah, you know, he's working on his shooting form with his, with his, you know, with his money. Yeah, so, yeah, so I mean, I think on that, on that part, how heavy is a honey bun? <laughs> <laughs> Curling them. Yeah. So, but I mean, James did some of that to himself, but I do think he, you know, 
you know, with the DeMarcus thing, I would obviously I was there when that happened and it was just funny because that weekend I had written a story about how finally DeMarcus had a drama free all-star weekend and then he gets traded during the game. <laughs> you know, hit when Harrison got pulled from the game to get traded, he was getting traded to the Kings. <laughs> so I mean, I do think it's it's crazy it's that you can terrible say thing you, to do to someone. Yeah, come out the game, you're going to Sacramento, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but it it is it is a double standard that you know the team can say, you know what, we we want to trade you. You can go ahead and go home. Like if 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 the, if James had come out, you know, he tells Houston, I don't want to be here, and they would have said, you know what, it's not going to work. Just stay home. I think I would have been fine with that, but to to it just became a damn circus. Just because right. you're, you you got to be here, and it's you're watching them play. He's dogging it. He doesn't want to be there. You can just tell, you know, and, you know, it's and like you said, if, and if, if you if Andre tried to play and they're like, no, <laughs> that's just, you know, you know, you see it with, you know, you see it with Blake in Detroit. You know, you, you know we're going to go ahead and sit you down until we figure out what we're going to do with you. I mean, I guess the team has the right to do that. But on the other hand, the players, you know, they know they can't do that. But, right. you know, I think I, I think part of the, the problem with the James example was that. Yeah, it's yeah, he was made out, he was vilified, but James gladly played the villain, you know, even after the trade when he goes on Instagram talking about the whole, you know, Shaq and the guys attacking another black man who wants to just better whatever he was saying. It's like you had a black coach in Houston who you just screwed over for the last two months. <laughs> for his first his first opportunity as a yeah, head coach so it's like you know, a lot of dudes. You know, I said, yeah, James did James did a good job of vilifying himself. With other examples, you know, like the, the DeMarcus one was a good example because people forget two weeks before that All-Star game, the Kings had promised him his extension, went over his house and had wine with him to celebrate it. And then they traded him two weeks later. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, you know, you do have those things where it's like where the team does whatever it wants to do. So, I mean, he said a lot of good. I just think the James example was not the best example. I mean, right. and even with a guy like Drummond, Drummond's playing well this year. He's on my fantasy team. I should know. <laughs> so he's playing well this year. And it's like, you know what? You're playing so well. We're going to have you sit down till we, till, till we get something for you. I mean, I understand the team point of view. I don't like it, but. I don't know if Andre would want to play for him anyway, knowing well, they don't want This is an interesting thing with Andre Drummond and, and with Blake Griffin. And, and I don't know the answer one way or the other, but it's where I think Draymond may have been – I don't want to say straw man because there are examples that back him up, but he may have just been lacking a certain degree of context. We don't know – I mean, or at least I don't know. I haven't seen reporting of it. How much Drummond or Blake Griffin were active partners in coming up with this decision? Because both of them may actually prefer the idea of staying healthy, keeping their trade value as high as possible. It's relative with both of them, but you certainly don't want to lower it with an injury so they could potentially go to a better team without having to give up any money. It's, it sounds like Blake was on board and Drummond less so, but it's, it's hard. For, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. And, you know, like I think with Blake, why would he want to keep playing and waste his knees on the worst team in the East? <laughs> right. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's go ahead. And why, and why would Detroit want him to do it? Because if you want, to, if you have any hope of moving him, he's you know it was still going to be tough, even if he yeah. were playing well right now, just because that contract is just you know 
you know, they say every contract can be traded, but I don't know how you trade that one. I mean, if I'm That's Blake Griffin, one. yeah. Do you are you going to trade for Blake and expect him to opt out of that player option? No, he's he's picking that up. He, he's not getting that money. <laughs> he's not getting a contract worth that that, that last year of that deal. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's funny, like, because I I always I always a lot of times people are, are are surprised when fans tend to side with with management over labor um, in in these situations because. Um, you know, it, it's billionaires against millionaires, whatever you call it. But like the the part that I thought Draymond got wrong is where you know he he referenced a few times that like nobody ever gives the organizations shit. Nobody. Well, I mean, I I think that's you know, obviously you know ask a Knicks fan like if they yeah. if they give the Knicks shit. Ask a and Cavs Draymond fan. used that example a lot about a, a player struggling. How come no one ever called out the organization? I'm all, like, it happens I, all the time. I said I cover the damn Kings. You think right. I ever point out the fact that they gave up on Isaiah Thomas for a second round pick? I mean, you know, <laughs> all, think people, all fans do is is, is yeah. I said I don't think teams. you know. He's like, well, how come they never call out the organization? I mean, that's one of his go tos. I'm like, you're actually wrong about that because people call out these teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are still, I know, calling out the Lakers for being like, well, you see Ingram and those guys are good now. It's like, well, they got AD, chill. But, you know, no, yeah, you know, but, you know, teams get called out for that all the time. I mean, the Phoenix Suns, you know, they they were getting drugged for years until, you know, recently. Right. And then the other part I thought that, you know, kind of wasn't there was like, you know, he, he kind of made the comparison of if you know a, a team can sit you down and say we are going to trade you we don't want you here anymore okay and the player has to kind of you know sit there and just kind of take it and be in shape and and do all that and that's true and if a player says i don't want to be here and i don't want to play they're going to be vilified for it and the team can you know and all that. but but it's because that's what they're being paid to do you know it's like you, if you want to give the money back you don't have to play but if you want to keep the money you got to play well, I, where I or do think Draymond, where I think Draymond has a point there because you're, you're right. There's a certain amount of professionalism that just is part of your paycheck. Like in the same way, when Draymond said that, you know, Andre Drummond has to go through this situation that if nothing else in Draymond's mind is humiliating, I don't know if it's humiliating in Andre Drummond's mind, but he's like, you know, the guy has to stay in shape. He has to stay professional or else like his career could be jeopardized. You're supposed to stay in shape. Right. You're supposed you're supposed to be doing the conditioning in the same way that if you are out of the rotation, like mm-hmm. the the demands for your conditioning don't go down. Like that's just part of and they're the still job. paying him. Right. Where where I yeah. do think Draymond has a point though is the reason we're told that you're not supposed to, as a player, publicly demand a trade is because it can be disruptive for your organization, mm-hmm. and they're trying to avoid something like that. But what the Cavaliers or what the Pistons are doing, which is announcing we are going to trade this guy if humanly possible, why is that not considered disruptive? I think that's something where Draymond, whether he voiced that or not, specifically kind of has a point about a double standard Mm -hmm. there. Because if you're looking to avoid disruption, why is one okay and not the other? Exactly, especially with with Drummond's case when he's having a good year. I mean, it's not like he's not playing well. You know, he's out there having 20, you know, 2020 games and tops in the league and rebounding. So he's having a good year. So I think that's what makes his point with, with Drummond so, so act, you know, fair is that it's not, you know, if you're in that locker room and you've been competing and maybe you're over overachieving a little and you're thinking, you know, 
Drummond's been a big reason why. And you get told, you know what, we got, we got Jared Allen now. And we like him. He's young. But so we're just not going to play the guy who, who's been an all-star anymore. We're not going to play him anymore. I could see why that would that might bug some guys who are trying to get to the playoffs. Yeah, the other thing, too, that I thought Draymond brought up, that he, whether directly, indirectly, but I think he made a good point, is just we, I think, if not necessarily the three of us, the, the royal we, sometimes I think do overlook how disruptive being traded can be for guys. Yes. Like, I mean, just like the idea of your livelihood can get drastically changed at the drop of a hat, at the whim of your employer, sometimes through no fault of your own. And I, and I recognize that every job has things about it that can be mentally taxing. And I recognize people can get transferred. But the difference is if you work a normal job and you get transferred, it's not a public transfer. And you don't have, you know, you don't have the entire world debating whether that was a great transfer <laughs> for your employer or like whether, oh my God, I can't believe they just they, sent Johnson to the Tennessee plant. Now, what do we, we're going to break that down. Yeah. I mean, like, for yeah, real, you're not going to hear about, you know what? Jason got moved to a different company because his salary fit. <laughs> right. They didn't really want him, but he, you know what? They just threw him in there. Jason got there. moved to Sports Illustrated in a salary dump. Like, right. like yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure you hope that's the case. Yeah, <laughs> not, you know, not yeah, moved, yeah, yeah we don't have our, part. you know, we don't have that, you know, and we don't have to report in 48 hours either. Right. You know, you know, it's not, you know, I've, I've, I've known guys who've gotten traded. They're like, yeah, my, my, you know, my friend, he's just staying at my place. I'm living in a hotel in Toronto or wherever I got traded. And it's not like I can just go ahead and say, you know what? Hey, hey, new team. I need about two weeks to get adjusted, to, you know, to, you know. A lot of cases, they're leaving their kids and wherever they are because they're in school. The yeah. family stays. They go live in a hotel. And I know they get paid a lot of money. And so people think that erases those issues. But I, I couldn't imagine being if I woke up tomorrow and got told, guess what? We're trading you. You know, we're trading you to, you know, to Sports Illustrated. You got to move <laughs> to New York right now. <laughs> yeah. Next 48 hours. Yeah. Like you know, when you pass your physical. Yeah. Get some clothes together. You got to move right now. Well, you know, you can't bring your kids. No, be, get out here. I just we'll like, the, out I, I love the idea too of like, you know, the athletic hoarding like young writers to try to trade <laughs> one for like Howard Beck, you know? <laughs> Well, but think about Sorry, it. Sorry, we're packaging Law Murray, Jordan Rodriguez, and a bunch <laughs> of other people, and we're sending him to Sports Illustrated for Howard Beck. And then I go on Twitter, I'm like, we got Howard. <laughs> <laughs> or like, okay. Like, when I got to follow up with a post, I'm sure I'm going to miss Law. He's a great guy. Great guy. <laughs> well, well, we got to win now. We got to write remember now. Remember when the uh, Chris Paul traded with the Clippers? You see all those guys? We got Chris Paul and poor Eric Gordon. Damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, I mean, Twitter, hell yeah, we got Chris Paul. And a couple Eric years Mike. ago when, you know, when uh, – the Lakers and the Pelicans were in very, very public talks to try mm -hmm. to bring in AD midseason. And guys like, you know, B.I., Lonzo, Kuz, Hart, like they all know like they are being actively shot. Like remember Brandon Ingram against Indiana? He was at the line and they were chanting, LeBron's going to trade you. <laughs> and you know, like Ingram's like, well, yeah, if he has his way, he is going yeah, to. Right. <laughs> And, like, and LeBron's just sitting there, and they're making all the little gifts about you know, LeBron's, LeBron's doing this. Yeah, LeBron's actually hanging <laughs> on the crowd. LeBron, you know, 
And that, and remember, this is, this is back when, when, Find when a lie. Yeah, this is back when they would ask Kobe, "What would you do, Kobe?" Like, I trade all their asses for AD. <laughs> Kobe was telling people in random parking lots, like they weren't even asking. Probably, like that guy was just loading groceries into his trunk, and like with, Kobe stopped and started yelling at him. Jason Kidd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it is crazy. It is, yeah, I couldn't imagine that. You know, all your friends are looking at you like, "Dang, you know, we cool and all," but damn, that's AD. <laughs> yeah. I do like it when guys are honest enough to be like, yeah, I'd trade myself for AD. <laughs> like, i can be honest here. Yeah. Draymond but, was one of those guys, too, when the whole thing blow up with him and KD happened. He even said in an interview, he was like, you know what? If I was the Warriors, and I would, he said, he said I would get it. If you had to choose between me and KD, I'd have traded my ass, too. Right. <laughs> he said, I'm Draymond Green. I, you know, I'm, I'm Draymond, but that's KD. You don't, if KD wants to be here, you don't choose me over KD. <laughs> so I mean, some players get it. The la- last question on this because we got to ask you about the Dodgers before we let you go. The um, okay. the uh, the one of Draymond's points though, I think, was that you know players get you kind of crucified for this stuff, and that mm-hmm. nobody's really on their side in this. And one of the things that I think is interesting about this is that most, I think, media. Or at least a lot of the media that I that I have seen, a lot of prominent media actually came out and supported him. And to me, at least, and tell me if you disagree, I think if Draymond does his rant ten years ago, the reaction from the media that he was sort of talking about is vastly different than it was today. I mean, I, I think he had a much more sympathetic audience now among media and fans than he would have ten or fifteen years ago, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I just think I, you know, I just think a lot of times the media is easy to pick at. You know, mm-hmm. the media, you know, I don't remember. I know there are people who were on AD about wanting out of New Orleans, but I think generally we all understood why he wanted out of New Orleans. You know, <laughs> I think I don't think there were people saying, "Oh, come on now, just give him four more years, AD." <laughs> they they, they right. just might get it right. I mean, I think people, you know, we we generally understood why James would want to go to Brooklyn or Philly. I mean, it made sense. You know, I think we we understand. I mean, most times I think guys get crucified for how they go about doing it. Like I said, James was in Vegas. I mean, what did you – I don't know anyone who was going to be like, oh, you know what? Go ahead, James. Just party until they trade you. You know, just, <laughs> you know no one was going to say that. And I just think the fact that he just kind of blew off camp at first, showed up when he showed up. Yeah, he got vilified for that. Maybe I, I can get AD being vilified in New Orleans, but they got over well, him. They got- I mean, look, even like Kyrie, because uh, Draymond brought up how, you know, there it had been reported that Kyrie was dealing with, you know, mental mental health, mental well-being, however you want to put it, during that period of separation from the Nets. And, and I think the reaction to that, you saw some support towards it. You saw some skepticism. and. And I do think that whenever you hear about it having to do anything with mental well-being, mental health, even with somebody like Kyrie, who can provide, you know, who has provided reasons before where people would look at him kind of sideways, I think when you start hearing it's something like that, you should always err on the side of giving a player space right. and the benefit of the doubt. But then the problem is he was seen at that birthday party for his sister and his dad at a pandemic or during a pandemic at a club. Right. And that's where it all falls apart. So it's like even somebody like Kyrie, where you're bringing up a a point that that matters, it's better served if you're talking about somebody but, like, but like the Kevin Nets Love or DeMar. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah. if you're talking about like 
DeMar DeRozan or Kevin Love, who've been very outwardly, you know, transparent about the issues they've been dealing with, except the fact in the case of Love and DeRozan, I think they've gotten all support. I haven't, yeah. heard, I haven't heard anybody, you know, trying to uh, criticize them or, you know, calling them weak or soft. I, I, Seen very little of that. And I think even with Kyrie, generally the media was very, you know, considerate and, and you know, cautious about when they heard it with a mental health thing. Like you said, it, it, it didn't come up where people started going, hey, what's going on? And you see the picture at the party and then he shows up on the on the Zoom for the, was it the DA. Right. And people yeah. start going, and then, and then you, you got Nash saying, I haven't talked to Kyrie, but like, well, we just saw him on Zoom. You know, <laughs> I just think I think any I think in that case. Any of us, if we told, if I told my bosses tomorrow I got, I need a mental health break, or if I told them that yesterday, and they turned this on right now, <laughs> they'd be like, "Okay, you just told us you were dealing with so much. You looked fine on there." Yeah, but this is this is how you decompress. Like you come, you talk with us for a little bit. Yeah, I you mean, know, throw on your Dodgers hat and you have a good I time. Mean, we're, we're promoting the athletic. I mean, they've they've got yeah. to give you at least a little bit of points for that. Uh, I yeah. would hope. I, I really hope they would, but you know. You never, you never know. You know what, you know what happens? So. At, you know what happens at that point, Jason? They dump you in the Beck trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I then, I then become a problem, and I, I, I'm a problem in the, in the, you know, in the editorial room. If they got to yep. do something, you know what? You know what? We're gonna sell. <laughs> You're the cone of shame. That's right. <laughs> we're gonna sell low on you. We, you know what? Yeah. Even if we don't get Beck back, if we get a couple of copy editors, you know, and, <laughs> you know, we just got to get you out of here. We'll, we'll deal you for like some up and coming prep writer who might have potential down the road. But we got to get you out of this locker room. Are, are we no trading Jason Jones for sixty cents on the dollar? Yes, but sometimes this is just what you have to do as an organization. <laughs> sometimes it's addition, you know, by subtraction. We've got to get him out of here. You know, we just couldn't have that that voice and that problem in our locker room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those, those those NBA Zoom meetings were just getting problematic. He was, oh. you know, he was we're very concerned people. about his influence on the younger writers at the athletic. <laughs> there, there's like an up and coming 19 year old podcaster that they were <laughs> extremely concerned was spending too much time around Jason. I do like and Jason was Jason was cursing with them, and he just right. <laughs> had him at summer league a couple of years ago acting out. I just I, I like the idea that somehow uh, a bunch of journalists would be really upset at the idea of being paid to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you want me to do what? Okay, cool. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, if you insist. Right. Um, all right. Well, you you are you showed up tonight, um, and you got your Crenshaw shirt on, which is excellent. It's a great looking shirt. You've Thank got you. your Dodgers hat on. I didn't realize yeah. this. Like spring training starts like tomorrow or something yeah right? yeah yeah it's it's like crazy it's time for dodger baseball again or i'm just like didn't the season this in like 70 days ago or whatever it was i i think i don't know i i don't know what any of this means but like you know this they brought back jt they mm -hmm. signed bauer um, you know, the, the, the Padres did all their Padre stuff. Uh, where are you? First of all, first of all, how did you celebrate? Cause this was the strangest of all, um, world series titles, you know, since 88 and all that. How were you able to celebrate this thing? See, cause I wasn't back home. I was up, up here North by my, you know, by myself, you know, my kids, I dropped my kids off with their moms and the kids got to see me be as happy as ever. They were like, Oh, they must've, you know, my kids were like, Wow, we've never seen Daddy so happy. <laughs> they're just like you know, they're like you know, because I've turned my kids into Dodger fans. Their first baseball games were all Dodger games, so they don't know any better. 
which is good, which is good for me, you know. So, you know, I actually got some Snoop Dogg gin, and I poured some of that. <laughs> like his own Wait, gin. Snoop yeah. has his own gin. He has his own gin. Yeah, it's like a, it's like it's like a strawberry or something like infused Oof. like flavor. Oh, that sounds terrible. It's, I mean, on one hand, that sounds awful because strawberries and gin sounds like a just horrendous combination. On the other hand, it does mask the taste of gin. Like, Which is what it does for me. I, I could have the whatever yeah, fruit it is wrong. Yeah, because I don't I don't drink gin generally, <laughs> but I was like I was like for this, I gotta drink something, you know, Southern California based because I haven't yeah. seen this since eighty eight. So yeah, I did that. And then I recorded a King's podcast where I was <laughs> where I was partially inebriated and very belligerent because my co-host was a Giants fan. He kept on doing the whole this doesn't count. And I'm like, okay, of all people who know about asterisks, it should be the Giants. <laughs> I'm like, I, we really, I'm like, we really don't want to do this. I'm like, we don't want to do this tonight. Just go ahead and accept the fact you're going to be bad for the next five, six years, or whatever it's going to be. And maybe someone will care about you know your fake you know, sellout streak you had at your stadium by the water. <laughs> do you, now, how do you feel about their chances of uh, going all the way again, defending their title? I think just like the last what six, seven years, they should be right there again. I mean, if this rotation is you know you know pans out i mean what is kershaw like you're four i mean three he might four. be if bauer pitches <laughs> like he did last year kershaw i am skeptical that he will but, but if he does then kershaw hmm. is your three three worst well i mean depends on or remember david price he's yeah, on that yeah. team yeah Dave, if, if david price is you know if david Urias, price is, like, uh, is there, it's not hard to imagine a world where Urias is actually a little bit better than kershaw yeah I'm just, I'm just imagining you get a four-game set against the Dodgers. You're like, okay, uh, maybe we'll miss Kirsch. Oh God, we've got Bauer, Price, Bueller. <laughs> it's Urias. It, that it, that is, and like truly an embarrassment of riches. Like, yeah, it, it so is, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for oh, it. Oh, I forgot May. Yeah, like that's a he's a thing. Like, yeah, and, and you've got to. You know, figure out how, you know, are we going to roll with Kinley? You got someone ready to, you know, that's my one question about him. Yeah. But again, but even if it doesn't work, then you can throw May in the back end of the bullpen. You can do all kinds. Like, did you see the over under for their, their win total? Like, I mean, everybody puts out their own, but I saw one today over under for the Dodgers, 103 and a half. I saw that. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> I've never seen anything even close to that in one of these, like you know, projection type things ever. I'd take the, I think I'd take the over on that. Doesn't feel like a dumb bet. I no, gotta be I mean, honest. you know, that lineup is still going to be that lineup. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's insane. Plus yeah, I two, mean, I, th I think for so many of those guys, like you know, especially Kershaw, but uh, but a lot of them, just getting that win, that World Series win, banked. And like having the definitive proof that they could do it after so many, you know, opportunities getting close or, you know, so many high profile flameouts. And look, we, we know a lot more context now with what went on with Houston and stuff like that, which I think also, too, in a way, helped them like, you know, that they, they were no longer seen as chokers. They were seen as robbed. And, and I think yeah. as much as they were pissed about it, I think it was a different kind of pissed. But now for a lot of these guys, just knowing that they've done it and not having to deal with that pressure of finally breaking through, I they they may be able to play in a way that just 
just they're going to come out of the gate hot and just maintain that the whole year because they don't have to worry about anything now. You know, where they came back against the Braves, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, you know, we, we've been through everything now. And even th- that fiasco game against the Rays where <laughs> I think it's about to be over and it, all, you know, the relay, all that stuff happens and they still come back and win the series. I just think now, like you said, there's like a level of calm about them probably now. They're like, you know what? We've done it. We know even if something goes crazy, hey, we'll be okay. All right, so here's where I, I've I've been trying over the last few days to find the thing that I that I okay here's where they might be vulnerable. Here's what I came up with. You talked about the back end of the bullpen, which matters less now, at least through the regular season, and I think you can you can accommodate that for for the playoffs if Jansen isn't what you need him to be. Um, here's what I came up with: you lose Jock, and uh, you lose Kike. Mm-hmm. It puts an enormous amount of pressure on Chris Taylor to be good in terms of recapturing that absurd amount of, of uh, versatility that they had in their lineup where they could really mix and match and move guys mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, you know, in the, in the outfield now, it's Bellinger and Betts, which is great. AJ Pollock, who Andy and I refer to as Bird Bones. Um, because he always will get hurt. Inevitably, AJ Pollock this year is he's going to get hurt. JJ AJ Pollock is going to happen. You got so now the like outfielders if AJ is one of your outfielders, right? And so like you got to move guys around. You want to have that third guy, fourth guy, whatever. Meanwhile, in the infield, like what if Gavin Lux isn't great? Like you know, like Chris Taylor is going to have to be really good to fill. But like this is a, I mean, you want to make a list of first world baseball problems. God, these are like half world. It's right. like first first world feels like too big of a number. Like our <laughs> utility infielder might not be good enough to do everything all the time. <laughs> is you, about the only thing I can come up with that is a major potential flaw for this team. Are you our our go to utility guy? Isn't quite as good as Kike Hernandez, one of the best utility guys well, in no, baseball. Well, no, Kike and him. Well, no, but like I'm they saying had two like, of them before. Right. Now they only have one. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like our utility guy, who still got a lot of utility, he just may not be as good a utility player as Kike Hernandez. Oh, and by the way, a lot of teams don't even have a utility right. guy. So, with that in mind, though, Jason, are you still taking the over? Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> did you decide to that. add more? Did you decide to add <laughs> no, more? I wouldn't add. I'm never taking the over. I mean, just that that rotation. You still got you no know, Bellinger, Muncie, Betts, Seeger, Turner. I mean, Gavin Lux is too cool a name not to be good, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Say this: if they don't start playing him, they need to trade that dude because yeah, all all that is happening. He's going to play this year. year. He. He better. I mean, he better play regularly, better play well. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Brian, Brian and I covered the Dodgers, I believe, or we were close enough to it that we can remember when Edwin Jackson was considered this untouchable prospect within the oh. Dodger organization. He ended up like, he ended up like 15 different teams. Is he still yeah. in the league? I, I don't. Actually, I think he is. I think he is. <laughs> I, think, yeah, yeah, I mean, is. I'm not sure. Yeah, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah. You, just to bring, he's not anymore, but to bring things around full circle, how old is Edwin Jackson? 38. Actually, Andy? 38 sounds good. I'm going to say 38. He's 37 and a half. He's 37 and 160 days. 
<laughs> but like, I mean, remember there was a period where this was Andy. This was in two thousand three when he broke in with the Dodgers as a nineteen year old. I mean, two thousand and three. There was a, was a period ago. where Edwin Jackson really was like referred to as untouchable in that organization. Like I, I remember, like they turned down deals for that guy. He ended up like a journeyman's journeyman. He played for yeah. Tampa, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Nationals, Detroit, the White Sox, Arizona, Atlanta, the Cardinals, Oakland, San Diego, Baltimore, <laughs> Miami, and Toronto over the course of a 17-year career. That's like the whole damn league. That's <laughs> almost all of them. He hit damn near every division. <laughs> yes. And I mean, and look, he, you know, it's great that he had such a long career, but I, I cannot emphasize this enough. He was referred to as untouchable. <laughs> he turned out quite touchable at the end of the day. Yeah, like, I'm like, he yeah, was, yeah. I'm, I always say in any trade, give me the guy who can play now. Don't give me mm -hmm. potential. Give me the guy who can play now. How Especially, did he make $18.5 million as a 36-year-old in 2020 with the Cardinals? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> but he, he made $97 million, Edwin Jackson. Oh, yeah, he's had a great life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't, I'm not sweating that. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. See, yeah. see the country? <laughs> like, literally. Yeah. He really did. The whole thing, he's, travel around. You know, you know, two countries. He's been to Toronto. You know, he's been in Canada. You know, he's been <laughs> every, you know, both coast, the Midwest. He's hit everywhere. There's one life. very. Born yeah, in Germany? This is good. Very well. I want, to, I want to write a movie about this guy. <laughs> I don't think you want to do that. No, that, that feels yeah, like I don't think the Edwin off. Jackson story has enough drama or enough of a hook. <laughs> no, I mean, the plot twist, he got traded a lot. <laughs> a lot. Let's, let's go back to back when you were a Dodger and they weren't going to trade you, and then you eventually, you know, got traded. Got traded a lot. Um, <laughs> all right. Jason Jones covers the Kings for the athletic. Thank, sorry. We kept you a little long, but we, no, you know, no problem. if you put the hat on that, that, that is, uh, sending a signal that that Dodger talk needs to happen. Oh, okay. This has been asked like three times in the chat. Ask Jason who should walk out champions at WrestleMania. This must be something that people know, you know, the answer to. Oh, uh, who should walk out as, Oh, that's a good one. Who should and you think about that one? Who will the writers I, decide? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like who I would pick and who's actually going to get picked are generally two different things. I've got no problem with Roman Reigns on on one end. On the other show, though, I would go something completely different. I'll go Keith Lee. It's not going to happen, but I would go completely out the box for the for, on the other show. But no I one cares about this. You know, and then I would I would go Bianca Belair and for the oh, for one champion and the other one I'm not sure, but you know, I'm old. Yeah, I know who Roman Reigns is, but I've heard of that. Guy, yeah. The other two guys you mentioned, I have no clue who they. All you got to know was all you got to know was that they actually did a good thing by turning Roman Reigns into a heel. Okay, I would have said the, yeah, Andre agrees with me. Yeah, I, yeah, Andre agrees with me. So yeah, I, I'm all with that. Yeah, well, he was a good guy for a while, right, Roman Reigns. Yeah, and no one liked him as a good guy. Well, because he he did didn't he do that one PSA about being a great daughter? I mean, being a great dad to your daughter and like you know playing. Yeah, he's it. like doing a little tea with his yes, daughter. Yeah, I think that's the only reason I know who Roman Reigns is. That commercial. Yeah, and, and a lot of my well, my, my female friends know about him because they tell me, well, who's that hot guy with the long hair? I'm like, I don't watch wrestling to know about his hair. You know. <laughs> 
Like, even oh, my man. mom, even my mom loves Roman Reigns, and she's like, "Oh, is Roman, you know, Roman Reigns going to be on this show?" I'm like, "I don't want to talk about that with you." <laughs> That's how everybody talks about Kelly Oubre. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got. Oh, oh yeah, I hear that all the time up here. You know, someone's like, "Do you know Kelly Oubre?" I was like, "No, why?" Oh my God, have you seen his eyes? I'm like, "No." I, I show no, my I wife. Really, actually, I'm like, I actually yeah. haven't looked at his eyes before. No, I haven't. I showed my wife a picture, and she was like, "Oh." I get it. No, I, th- um, that's yeah. where you realize, and we'll, we will let you go after this, but like the work ethic these guys have, because if I looked at Kelly Oubre, I would just be a oh. model and, and not have to do any of the work these guys <laughs> do. I, I would just get paid a lot of money to just you know walk on a runway, wear certain clothes, maintain a certain weight, and that's it. Like You have to work out, but you don't have to do these type no. of workouts. Like Kelly Oubre is a much, just much more competitive person than the average guy because most people if they have the opportunity to get paid a lot of money one of which is physically demanding and the other is mm-hmm. not you're going to take not who doesn't in. choose to skate through life based solely on their looks when given the opportunity well kelly i guess kelly doesn't so right I mean, that's my point like i yeah, mean i was never friends, granted I'm, that opportunity yeah i've been trying to get either. a job yeah i've got friends up here who are just like oh my god they have kelly uber i'm like why do you care about kelly uber you know like there's this whole thing on tw- instagram about him i'm like i've never really studied kelly uber like that but <laughs> he's, he's, i've he's gotten i've really good I, thanks to some of my friends up here i've gotten a, quite the kelly uber education mm, he's he's really damn good looking <laughs> he really is i mean <laughs> Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, um, you know, I, you know, hey, I'm not young, tall, and athletic with Kelly Oubre eyes, so I can't relate to him. Well, <laughs> I am, I am over three. In those, in those. Uh, Jason Jones covers the Kings and uh, the NBA for the Athletic. Uh, this was a ton of fun. Uh, we'll we'll do it again. Uh, we'll steal another one of your off nights. Uh, please, yeah, point. please do, yeah. Because if not, I'll end up just watching wrestling or playing playing two K and. You know, trying to figure out how to make the Lakers better on the video game. Yeah, as as we always tell people who say that, be careful what you wish for. Uh, Tomorrow, (laughs) Alex Kennedy will keep up the NBA talk. We'll uh, we'll go through the the Lakers-Nets game on Thursday. And uh, Friday is George Sedano. And a lot of great guests lined up. We we are going to talk about with George specifically, what the fuck's up with Florida? Yep. Just explain Florida. George to us. is going to explain Florida to us. We're hoping it becomes a recurring segment. So that'll I've be had, on Friday. I've had a discussion with several of my Florida friends, and they're mm-hmm. just like, man, we're, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll bring George on, I guess, to apologize for the state. Again, Alex Kennedy, uh, Battle News, joining us tomorrow. Again, thank you to Jason Jones. Read his work at The Athletic, and we will see everybody tomorrow. Donk your needle on.